director and my uh, guest today is such an amazing human being and I'm so excited to be hosting her because I'm a huge fan of her content and all of the wonderful messages that she puts out there, you know, and she also has her own podcast. Um, I absolutely love it. So we're going to dive into that. But without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Sony Abada, who is a four times Emmy nominated and AP award winning journalist. And she is also, like I said, the host of her own talk show and podcast, We Gotta Talk. So welcome, Sony. I'm so excited to be hosting you. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Ekta. It's really great to talk again. Yes, it is so wonderful to have this you know, opportunity again, actually. And I want to actually you know, get your views on so many different things, including a lot of fun stuff, obviously, because we love skincare and beauty here, but also... Like we were talking before the show, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. So I can't wait to dive in. But Sony, tell us about yourself, your career and your amazing background. You've done so much, you know, and I'd love to learn. Uh, yeah. Start off. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I am a journalist by trade. I spent 15 years working in TV news in mm. two markets, interned in New York City and... um gosh, spent most of my time doing news. I did like dip my toe into sports and weather, not a pretty picture, um, but was was honored enough to cover some really interesting stories over my time working both in Pittsburgh and Orlando for two different affiliate, um, local affiliate stations. Um, uh, the Casey Anthony trial, George Zimmerman trial. I flew in a fighter jet. I went into a burning building with the Pittsburgh Fire Department. The cool thing wow. about local news is that it's really, I believe, the last pure form of journalism, right? There's like not much yeah. to corrupt it at that level. So it was really an honor um, anchoring reporting all those years. You, you get exposure to... Um, every different type of story or person that there is in the world, especially when you're reporting and you're out on the streets and interviewing people. And I really am grateful to have spent my time in traditional media that much time because yeah. it really ignited in me a love for conversations and talking with people. The only downside was in, in news, sometimes you only got a very discreet amount of time to tell a story. So it's a skill to tell a story in a short amount of time, but it also leaves out so much perspective. So it's cool to be in, in the podcast space now because I have time on my side. And I know you know this too, because you're amazing with the people you interview, you go into depth on topics. And so oh. I made that transition, yeah, about seven years ago into the digital space. And I just talk with people on my computer instead of on the TV now. <laughs> I love it though. I know I I had seen a clip of your um of your podcast where you were talking about local news and and I think you had brought that uh you know that point up and I loved what you said and I love what you said just now is that yeah you know I I resonate with that as just somebody who watches you know because I think journalism to me Sony and I don't know I mean you went through the route but growing up it was like I really admired journalists because not all, only because you're doing this you know, great service, right? You're reporting actual news and, and events that are happening around us, but also from the the like the writing perspective. Like you could you can transform someone's perspective, you know, in a positive way. And or like, you know, in it's entertaining. It was always entertaining for me to watch things like the news. You know, maybe I was a weird kid, but it was in in the way of I knew that it was like a trustworthy profession, you know, with amongst all the things I was experiencing growing up like I was in science my family was in science but when I, when I looked at journalism it was like I almost was like I wish I could I had the brain for that you know because I couldn't I don't think I could have done it but yeah. uh, how was that you know I want to the reason I'm saying all this is I want to know like when you were going through the the motions of getting you know into the career and into the field like you know what was that like for you were there a lot of hurdles were there a lot of things you had to like especially as a woman you know going into a field like this what, how was that like 
Yeah, gosh, there's a lot of stories on that. And I, I do want to touch on something really important that you said, though, is that, you know, I think and and this was apparent when I interviewed you, too. You knew you told me from a young age you were in a wet lab and you were doing things that eventually would lead to write the career that you ended up with. I think I have always been a curious, uh, observant really quiet child. I sat at the adult table. We had these, I'm Italian American and we have these huge family dinners every Sunday and there were 10 kids. And I was like the little nerd in the corner, in the big room, you know, in the, in the, in the adult room at the big table, listening to like what everybody was saying. I was like, oh, and I would bring my books and I would take notes and I would do homework. I remember my grandfather saying, what is wrong with Sunny? Like, why does she like (laughs) want to go play? Why? So I think the skill set that I was always sort of attuned to was hearing stories, hearing facts and, and, and compounding them and, and putting them all together and, and, and understanding different points of view. So I feel like from an early age, I was kind of destined for something like this because I just have a real genuine love of listening. And I think that's the important thing to remember in, in this space and in any like news or storytelling space, the skill is the curiosity. The skill is the listening. It's, and and then sort of transforming that into something interesting. But, um, but you know, the story is the person that you're interviewing. It's not about you. It's not about me and what I think about things. It's, you know, it's about the person that you're talking to. So I would say that, um, in that way, it was always kind of clear what I liked. I was a writer. I love to, I wrote, little silly poems for all my family members when I was little. I was a real nerd. And um, so, yeah, getting into the field was interesting because um, the co- the university that I went to, Carnegie Mellon, which is in Pittsburgh, which is where I'm from, did not yeah. have a journalism program. I actually entered as a, a creative writing major and then eventually ended up in a school there. This is really cool. They have what's called BXA. It's like an intersectional kind of combination of their different colleges. So I was part of the uh, College of Humanities and Social Sciences in writing, and I was a part of the College of Fine Arts with drama. And I was able to hone in on my writing skills, but also some of the, you know, voice and performance and things that were sort of, and and playwriting and storytelling that were associated with the drama. So it was a really cool degree because it gave me sort of the the, the best of both worlds in that way. And yeah, I started yeah. off really young. I, I had my first job. I interned. Um, oh gosh, I'm like going really into like back in the day now, but even no, when that's I- good. I love that <laughs> though, because you don't know, no, sorry, this is important. I mean, I mean, people don't know, right. Young professionals don't know now, you know, how to go into these careers and how to do it. So, so I asked, please. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you know, this too, like the, the, uh, the best exposure to a field is, shadowing. It is interning. It is that free labor and that attention you put on your art form before you do it. You can't jump the gun. I would have interns when I was working, they'd be like, I want to be an anchor. And I was like, well, that's the worst place to start. You need to, you need to, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it's like going to you and be like, Dr. Acta, I want to be like operating with you like tomorrow. Like, no, you gotta, and not only do you got to do the work, you have to want to do the work, right? Because that's where you learn. So even yeah. as like a 19 year old, I was, I had a part-time job. I worked for a production company. I did these little sports shows. Then I interned at Dateline in New York city, which was really cool. And this was like, just when the internet, I'm like aging myself was like coming online in a big way. Oh and yeah. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. It was fascinating. I worked for the, that was the best. That, that was the best was time it? to be alive. I feel like <laughs> yes. I'm 42 yeah. now. And I look at these kids, I look at my kids growing up and I'm like, oh, you'll never know a world without like 
Without cell phones and tablets and yeah, yeah, I know. And we got into some really like fun stuff pre-internet that like will never be recorded, which is great. Um, And then after all these internships, I ended up at at 21 years old working at the CBS affiliate in Pittsburgh. And I was the youngest hire they had ever made. And it's an older market, like people who live in Pittsburgh, like you go there and you live and you stay. It's a generations type of city. So they saw this 21-year-old girl show up as a reporter trainee which is what I was. And I would shadow these, these veteran reporters. And then I finally got on the air and they're like, who is this baby? And I experienced a <laughs> lot of like blowback. And there were people in the station that didn't like me. And there were people that viewers that were sending me horrible, like um, they would call the assignment desk. Cause this is like before email was very popular with the older set. So they would call and they'd be like, why did you tell that girl to cut her hair? And, you know, and went through all of it, right. You know, the meetings where no one listens to your story ideas because you're 21 and what do you know? And I get that. that. So yeah, it was a real journey, but but really good, really, really good overall. Yeah. I mean, you came out, I mean, the other side and, and so beautifully, but I feel like, you know, those were, those were the golden days though. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I feel like with a lot of careers, I, I look at medicine like that too, sometimes and I'm like, damn, we went through a lot. We went through the rare to get to, you know, because no one did internships, you know? So I'm sure it was like, kind of teach your own, like you said, you know, you didn't have journalism as your major. There were, you know, there was no like set in stone. And I mm-hmm. always find that to be so interesting about individuals that I interview, you know, such as yourself, that are uh, professionals in categories where you kind of paved your own way mm-hmm. because the perspective comes out like these are just some amazing, unique perspectives, you know, that you end up dealing with. I mean, I'm sure with news, you were, you know, when you saw that shift, what was it like for you? Like seeing the shift in like media, because now, as we were talking about media, it's all about social media, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about what's at your fingertips, you know, the phone, the tablet, the everything. But, you know, when we were growing up, I feel like it was, no, you have to go onto like, you know, or watch TV or go onto an actual website, you know, even like as internet came out. So what have you noticed, you know, the way that we media is delivered now, you know, and, and news, especially like, um, what's changed uh, as you observe it? Well, I'll start with the upside. The upside is we have access to information like never before, obviously, yeah. right? You know, you can you can find just about anything on YouTube. Probably not your job. I would not go to a YouTube doctor. But I mean, you know, <laughs> most people can can really hone their skill set by searching it online. It's that simple. So while it's wonderful that we are exposed to more information and more points of view, it also means that it's incumbent on us as individuals, as news consumers, to really make sure that we're vetting our sources. And if you're unsure about something you're hearing, actively seeking out an opposing point of view so that at the very least you have more of a complete picture, right, of the story that you're taking in. Um, And and so there are many good parts. But I I do think there was some benefit to, you know, back in the day when there were only certain outlets that did news, right? The big networks, because everything that came onto TV at that point was highly vetted, highly researched. It was mm, chances yeah. are going through the legal team. But with, you know, it, when you're when you're producing one small bit of content, maybe 30 minutes of news every night, you really work on that. You have all day to work on a relatively short show. Um, and now you have 
with local news, especially you have news on, I think like eight to nine hours a day is what many stations have on to say nothing of the cable networks, which are 24 hours. So if you think about it, even, even without being an expert in the field, you can understand how, when you begin to churn out content like that, inevitably the quality can go down. And what, what I'm seeing happen is that people are unwilling or unable to discern between what is strict news and what is opinion news and what is strictly opinion. And I used to have a rule of thumb where I would say, if you're watching it on cable after 6 p.m., it's not news, it's opinion. I mean, it might you might have little tidbits of news thrown in there, right? But you're hearing yeah. an, a person's opinion, and that's okay. But now that's the case with everything, because we're on social media for our news. And exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's like a 24-hour cable network in your hands, and you got to be really, really conscious of what and how you're consuming it, because it is an influx of information like never before. So you really, really, really have to have to be deliberate on how you consume it. I could not agree with you more. And I also like, I want to ask you as a follow-up, like if you were to like, like say like, you know, I'm sitting in a class and you're teaching a class on journalism. And if you were to define what like modern day journalistic integrity has come to, like, what would you say? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like that's what we never hear like journalists talk about anymore Mm -hmm. is like what it means to be like ethically there. You know what I mean? Focus Mm -hmm. on the facts and like that's like, what is your, your view and your uh, point of view on that? I would start by saying that I would give credit to journalists that at the very least, they believe that they are doing and reporting the right thing, right? I would give benefit of the doubt to each individual, individual, right? Who's putting together the news. Um, But messaging can get mixed or, for example, when you present a script as a reporter to your producer who then goes to your news director, I mean, the the end result can be changed multiple times. And that can be for legal reasons because they don't want something to get out there that might be and, you know, put them in a legal threat of a lawsuit. Um, So I would start by saying the intentions are good, I would hope. But I would add on that... God, I don't even like know how to say this without coming across something like I'm making a broad sweeping generalization, but yeah, it's a little ethics are a little wavy. Like I, I don't yeah, know yeah. how to tell people, um, who, like, who there's has no, the like standard protocol. Like there's yeah. no, yeah, yeah. My rule of thumb though. And, and I think this is, this is a really useful thing that I tend to do when I consume news that I always tell people who are like, gosh, I don't know what to believe. So the first yeah. thing is if you're watching it on one cable station or from one point of view, actively seek out the other point, right? And yeah. it, you, it may not be something something you naturally gravitate toward. You may have a belief that really aligns with the way one network is covering it, and that's okay. But deliberately expose yourself to the other and see if there's something you're missing in that point of view that wasn't covered your way. And that kind of makes us more whole news consumers. I would also say to pay attention to how an outlet self-corrects over time. So, for example, how willing an outlet is to go back and say, we messed up. Like, um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of news coming out of the Middle East right now. And there have have been some outlets who have said, listen, we got it wrong. Um, Allow us to issue this correction or watch how a news outlet behaves over time. Right. You want to see that self-correction. You want to see that accountability Um, and and understand that news is a machine, like just like any other business. Ultimately, what it comes down to. And I, I, I believe in good journalism. And I think that under, you know, underlies everything, but at the end of the day, they're also advertising machines. Right. So, yes, exactly. yeah. So, you know, just understand that that's a part of it to be a conscious consumer, seek out those other points of view and watch for the news outlets that behave responsibly over time. You, you know, that you're in watching a bad, you know, thread on TikTok or you're watching like not a great balanced perspective. If 
you never hear a guest with an opposing view or you never hear someone devil's advocating the the perspective. You really need to to challenge your belief system to make sure that you're not just in your echo chamber, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does. And I love that you said that because honestly, here's the thing, you know, I think there's obviously like the way I see it, at least there's these, this polarization, right. Of Mm. consumers and of, of news and media and all this stuff. And I feel like there's two sides, either it's the people who are super like, you know, they question everything, right. They're always like playing devil's advocate or it's just the opposites. You know, I've heard a lot of my friends say sheeple, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's the Mm -hmm. word that, but I, I, you know, I don't want to put anyone in a category, but I really do see that there's two types of consumers. And I think um, for me, where I get confused and I get lost now with the way that news is delivered is, you know, I just don't feel like it's news anymore sometimes. Mm. You know, I feel like it's like you were saying, opinion pieces, but then it's like, where is that line? You know what I mean? Like, it just, it's, I don't know. I feel like it's getting blurred more and more. You know, every time I watch something, I'm like, now I watch old outlets, right, Sony? And mm-hmm. I, I used to, I grew up with them, like yeah. I'm watching them. And I think a lot of us might be able to relate to it that, you know, you watch what you've always trusted and you, you're watching it and you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't look right or you yeah. know, sound right or it doesn't feel fair. And, and I think that's where, like, for me, like, as a consumer of, like, any media, like, I get very like bothered when I see that because we it's like what are we really wanting to buy because like Mm -hmm. you said media is a business it is and and at the end of the day it also comes down to us as consumers like what are we looking to buy and I don't want to bring this up like in a you know I'm not bringing this up in a negative light at all but just to say it like you know we're all going through a lot right now with our processing our thoughts with the current landscape right Mm -hmm. you know with everything going on in the world but sometimes I look at social media and I'm like, I feel like some people just want to buy the negative. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. just really want to focus on one thing. And it's like it, my, I don't know, maybe it's like, for me, it's like when that becomes a deterrent to actually getting facts, that's where I have a problem. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I start to have a problem there because it's like, now you're catering to people's like desire to want the sensational thing and the, you know, whatever, like you just don't, the lack of facts is where I start having a problem. That's why I was like, I just want to get your view on it. I love that. You yeah. that's a really good point too because what yeah. happens with social media is it becomes not just an echo chamber but sort of like a a verification protocol. Like these people are posting things and they're getting likes and they're getting shares and like, "Oh man, yeah. I must be on I must be onto something," right? Yeah. You know, and so they continue reporting or whatever it is. And um, they're doing so for the validation, for the follows, for likes. Now, that's not everybody. And like I said at the beginning, I believe in the intentions of people. And I think most people show up on platforms, whether it's a national news network or people, I would like to also think individuals, but maybe not as much because it's not as much of a vetting process. But I'd like to believe in the good in people, right? But you have to understand the motivation, right? I know as a content creator and I know as a new, having produced my own news things, what gets the clicks, what gets the watches tends to be the sensational stuff. So if you're feeling overly, if you're listening to something, you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, then you know, oh God, this might not be news. This might be editorial. This might be an opinion. And maybe I need to take a minute, pause, reflect on the other side, the other perspective to make sure that you're not living in just that echo chamber. It really, really is incumbent on news consumers to be savvier than ever. And I hate that it has to be that that way because 
I do think there was that golden era, like you said, that like post-World War II era through probably the 80s and 90s when when American media was at its at a at an apex of sorts, right? It was it was low moving. Yeah, it was well vetted. But you know, here we are. And like I said, with the benefit of technology comes the drawbacks. But I'm always the type of person who thinks, okay. We're going to take this good thing, this technological revolution, and we're going to love it for what it is. And we're not going to put restrictions on it because to do that becomes complicated in its own right. But what we're going to have to do is now educate the individuals. It's like when you give your kid a cell phone with social media, you don't say, well, you do until a certain age, but at some point you don't, you don't say, may say when they're 15 and on, you don't say, honey, never go on social media because that's never going to happen. You teach your kid, you need to you have self, you're going to look at social media. It's going to make you feel bad, but I want you to have self-worth and here's how you're going to feel good about yourself and mentally prepare yourself. Cause when you are exposed to these triggering things, then I want you to know that X, Y, Z, you got to train the individual, right? We're never going to change yeah. that. We're not Mark yeah. Zuckerberg. So exactly. exactly. Yeah. No, you're so right though. Like I, I don't, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, it's so true. Like, I feel like that's where I think a lot of us get lost is this like, mm-hmm. okay, how do I do that? Right. It's like, how do I like, and make sure that whatever I'm putting out there for the next generation, it's correct. And I, especially what you said resonated with me a lot. Cause we are, you know, I talk to a lot of beauty people here, you know, and I feel like we talk a lot about things like, for example, like body positivity or like, you know, just how people feel as consumers of the beauty industry, you know? And I think a lot of times um, we have this conversation over and over and over again. I'd love to get your view on this is that, you know, where does that really fall? Like from what you're seeing, you know, from your side, um, in terms of what we're putting out there from the beauty coverage when it comes to news or media? Like, do you think that it's, you know, it's a good place or, you know, should we be like, you know, focusing on things that maybe you've noticed that it might be a negative thing we're focusing on? Because I know it's changing, but what Mm -hmm. are your views on that? I personally love, as far as how media intersects with the beauty space, which I'm, as you know, super passionate about beauty. Um, What I like to see is, for example, when filters are disclosed or when platforms make it apparent that a filter is being used, right? But I think that's the best we're going to get for a while. You hear a lot of people be like, bam, the filters. We can't, right? It's probably not going to happen. So at some point we have to uh, we have to work on our own individual foundations and feel that self-worth and do the inner work so that when we see that, we know, Sonny, it's not real. Or like I can tell my daughters and my son, you know, listen, guys, you're going to see this stuff. It's not real. I think the issue when we put the responsibility on companies to do the right thing, we will always be disappointed. And that company can be in any field, media, beauty. They're going to chase the bottom line. So. Yeah. I'm sorry for us that that's the case. Maybe there are some sort of minor ways that ethics kind of intersect with their interests, but I would I think in this society they're few and far between, right? So again, yeah. it's just like with news, it's incumbent on us to be like, okay, well, this is the world we live in, kind of stinks. But you know, for me, it looks like sh- when I show up on social media, not using a filter. I mean, I swipe the Paris filter maybe like one out of every ten times, but usually I show up with all my you know, nasty looking pores and I see, you know, my dark circles and, <laughs> you know, I, I try yeah. to, to do a small thing. It's not always that way. Everyone's going to go on my Instagram and be like, I see this filter once in a while I filter. Okay. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it, it looks like that in the beauty space too. I just, I, I don't want to be a pessimist about it, but I never like to wait for companies to act on our behalf to make us feel better. It just, yeah. it's just not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. I think that's exactly no, I agree though. I agree. And I feel like with the filters, it's gotten kind of wild, but I don't think a lot of, it's not as bad as like, I think 
I think in the younger crowd, it might be a little bad, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. like, but yeah, I don't see a lot of people like that are older, you know, or just, you know, in their 30s or 40s. Like, we're not really using the filters. I use a filter. And I look like a five-year-old. <laughs> like, no, I'm like, I'm like, I'm... <laughs> I know it's like, it's good. And then it's like, oh, wait, but is it? Because my neck is still really old, but my face is really young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got like a baby face. And I know. Yeah. I'm like, I look like a grown baby. No, but I mean, you're right, though. <laughs> what you said is that, you know, um, it, it's it's all about moderation. And it's interesting, you know, because from the beauty industry, that a perspective from what I've interviewed, you know, brands and, and executives in the industry, I think a lot of times brands um, can't really do that homework anyways, right? Mm-hmm. Like they can't do that for us because you're right, there is a bottom line and there is a, a, they're a business. They're trying to sell you products that, you know, they've, that's their goal selling mm-hmm. product, you know? And I think with consumerism, it's so interesting because we, for me at least, and what I look for now in a brand is so different than what I used to look for like 15 years ago, if you know what I mean? Like 15 years ago, it was like, I'm still looking for my red lipstick. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's going to work on me. Now I'm like, okay, which one should I buy that's from the brand that's from, you know, that's ethically sourced or sustainable, you know, versus back then. And I, I'm just curious, you know, what do you like? What are your views on just how you know we've we went from like no options? I feel like to like a million options now. Like, how do you see that from oh, your perspective? Like, again, yeah. like with the media, right? It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Like, I yeah. came up doing all of my own makeup for TV. We never had a regular um, makeup artist for the local stations, and I went through some really bad acne. Like, oh my gosh, doctor actor, like bad. Like, I had acne that was it wasn't cystic now that i look back it was probably me just over drying my skin i used to wash my face with lever 2000 do you remember that soap I mean, oh like, my god yes <laughs> so yeah. anyway i went through a few years of really bad acne and working in tv when you have that bad of acne is is a really tremendously difficult thing. And I know there there are worse problems in the world, obviously. So we'll get that caveat out of the way. But I remember <laughs> an ex-boyfriend saying to me one time, he's like, I went to the doc to the dermatologist, and this was like, I, I didn't know what else to do, right? I hadn't been a this was before I found like my magical Eastern European facialist that literally fixed my skin. And I, they went and they lanced all of these breakouts that I had. So I came out of the office bleeding from my forehead. And he yeah. goes, Oh, you look like you got hit with buckshot. And I cried like a baby like it was such a mean thing to say that's extremely cruel like why would he do that i mean there are many reasons that's a different podcast um (laughs) you know that's why he's an ex um but uh uh point being is that i had to really learn how to take care of my own skin and my own self because i was doing all of this for myself on my own and i didn't want to be the young girl who was trying to break through professionally and worrying about how I looked, my skin looked at the same time. I mean, I was already subject to so many opinions. I mean, I couldn't cut my hair without permission. I couldn't dye my hair without permission. One time I dyed my hair from like a, a like a really highlighted blonde to kind of this color. And my news director called me in the office and reamed me out. Like it was a really tightly controlled environment in some ways. And so, you know, I'm grateful that there are options because for someone like me who who is doing all this stuff myself and learning about my skin, I I needed that. So I would spend, I mean, so much time. Re- I would be, I was on Derm Store before like whatever, 20 years ago when I was 21. Yeah, 20 years ago. Before it was like this big blow up site, look, looking for my exuvians and my, you know, and I would grill my facialist. I'd be like, okay, what are you doing? So I know that when I go home, 
I can get this, you know, do this myself. And yeah, this is like a really yeah. a learning process. And I think that's why I'm obsessed with beauty now, because I, I went through that really traumatizing experience. And and now I know like with everything else, sometimes you're your own best advocate. So better pony up and learn all about my products before I put them on my skin. No, I mean, that's such a, that's such a real thing though, because I feel like now teenagers are getting facials at the age of 10. And I'm I like, know. what? I was like in my mid twenties before I got a facial ever. You, you know, perfect I, I just, skin at ten too, right? There's like literally was, nothing wrong. What are you getting a facial for? Like, what is, it's crazy. No, it, it's no. You know, I I am so glad and thank you for sharing your story because I think that's so important. Um, you know, and honestly, it's a, the best part of the beauty industry. I think is because we can all relate to it we all gravitate towards it. You know what I mean? And I think that's the, that's the beauty of like, you know, just creating a brand and seeing it work for people. But at the end of the day, you know, we are still struggling. I feel like as consumers to find like, what is good for us, even though, you know, that's why I asked you, like with all the mm-hmm. options out there, we still, I remember when I came on your show, you had asked me like, what are, you know, I, I feel like every time I listen to one of your shows, there's a, you know, you want to buy that product. And it's because there are some really great products, you know what I mean? Out here, but still, I see people struggling still, you know what I mean? Like where they're like, oh, I can't, you know, I don't know what to use or I don't know what kind of acne this is or whatever. But it's like, that's why, you know, I'm curious from a journalistic standpoint, what it is that might be going wrong or like, you know, the missing link, because I think there's a lot of stuff out here. But I just wonder sometimes, you know, like, is it reaching the right audience? You know what I mean? Like, is it reaching people who are actually getting help from it because we're still buying products that are Mm -hmm. not working, purchasing new ones that, again, don't work. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So it's just, I'm just interested, you know, from that uh, media angle of that because it's like, well, there must be something going on that we're still perpetuating that was still a problem, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I love listening to you talk to these founders because you're right, there are just endless good products out there. But what really works for me is like finding, hearing them explain not only like about the formulations and the ingredients, but why they, why they made it, why it works, how it's different. And like, again, we got to do the research for our own skin. And so we're not overbuying things and wasting our money and wasting our time. Like it, it, you do have to like, that's why I love like beauty is my like other huge, huge passion in life. Aside from like news and current events, I always joke. It's like my superficial mode, but, um, you know, the really heavy stuff I cover. And then there's like the fun beauty. I interview plastic surgeons, um, because like we are all in need of a little lightness and levity and fun. And I want to have a good lipstick that I, when I put on, I feel good about it, but I also want to know, you know, if it has ingredients that might irritate my skin. So I'll like seek out a podcast with that founder, or I want to know how it compares to another one. So I'll like search it up on social media, like write the beauty of all of this media that we can do that research, but it also helps you land on, on what works best. And I do not know how you shift, how you sift through all the products you must get. Like it's either like a dream or a nightmare. (laughs) It's somewhere in between. (laughs) I bet. bet. It's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. No, but I mean, honestly, you're, you're, you're so right. And I, I completely agree with your, you know, your thoughts on that is that it is, it's, it's really good to have the knowledge at our fingertips, but it's more so about, are we utilizing it? Or, I mean, look at TikTok, you know, we, we are now dealing with a whole platform of social media that I don't know if you relate to it, but I don't relate to TikTok. I'll say it you know, openly. I can't relate because for me, 
I grew up learning from audio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, I grew mm-hmm. up learning from these news channels, these, you know, conventional media outlets. I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with TikTok. You know, I think it's a, everything is a wonderful thing if it's a truly a resource. But for, you know, in terms of just how things are moving now, how knowledge is being dispersed and, you know, given to people, it just makes you wonder is like, you know, you keep seeing these studies come up where it's like people are saying now, nah, I don't know if you saw this, but there's some doctors and psychiatrists saying, oh, ADD is on the loose again. You know what I mean? Everyone has ADHD mm-hmm. now. And I look at stuff like that and I'm like, this is where media matters. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? This is where mm-hmm. news and actually like put the journalism stuff, this is where it comes in is we are, you know, we have to make sure that like what's being put out there, like, you know, is actual real information so that people aren't just making these like, you know, opinions and these perspectives up out of thin air. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Tony, I see, you know, people using YouTube as like their only resource. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that is, that's so messed up to me because, you know, you think back and you're like, I remember my what a professor wanted at least five sources for a paper, you know, and now people yeah. make their whole opinion up based off of a YouTube video, you oh know, so just, yeah. yeah, especially yeah. in your field, like the last thing you want is like a YouTube research, like anything, yeah. meta, you know, like <laughs> even if it's something like a skincare product, like I want to see and I love that about your show is that there is a scientific bent to it. I, I forget what it is you taught me and I can't remember. Oh, oh, you told me like, you know, only the first like two things that you put on your skin will like scientifically, absor- like it's just not possible yeah, for your skin. Because that's I was the like, truth. That makes <laughs> sense. Like, why didn't I think about that? You know why? Because I'm being sold a bunch of products that I'm a sucker for and I'm buying the five steps when in reality, my skin is happier with just the two really great ones. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I think it's just, it's just interesting to see you know, we have so much accessibility now, but mm-hmm. it's like, really, how are we using it? But I want to shift gears a little bit, Sonia, and I want to talk about, you know, some advice, because I think that, you know, when I have the opportunity to interview, um, you know, people like yourself and I, you've had such an amazing career already, and you're doing such great things now with, you know, the shift into, like, kind of doing your own thing with your podcast and your show. Um, I want to get your advice for the young professionals out there, because I know they're still out there looking to go into, you know, like, for example, journalism, but might not know where, you know, how do I approach not necessarily the career track, but the hurdles, right, that come with it. So any words of wisdom that you have for young professionals as they're navigating through this kind of space of writing, journalism, you know, media, whatever it might be? That's a great question. Specific to TV journalism, I would say, I would go back to the point first that I made a little while ago, which is show up and ask questions, show up and listen. Um, Being engaged in the field that you're interested in goes a long way. Now, I don't know what it's like in the OR, but when we are on set and have an intern with us, it is a good thing to have them, you know, not in the middle of a newscast, but ask questions during a break. It's it's good for them to want to get into like the system that we write our scripts in and understand how it works. You will not be successful with a lack of interest. And I would encourage people to that the job, this is like going to sound mean, but it's true. Like, it's not about you. There are a lot of people that want to get into TV because they want the fun stuff. They want the superficial, like someone to do my makeup, someone to do my hair. I want to look cute. I want people to tell me I have bright hair. It's just like not about you though, right? It's just not. You can enjoy that side of it. And I I say this all the time on my podcast, we contain multitudes, right? Like I'm... superficial bitch sometimes that's like the alter ego and but i'm also like a person who deeply deeply cares about the direction our country is going in and our world is going in so know that whatever field you're getting into focus on the greater good aspect of it right yeah your your opinion matters and 
you know, I know Gen Z is coming into a different media landscape, so things might look a little bit different, but there, there is nothing that will ever be wrong with humility, graciousness, engaging with the people who are older than you, asking questions, understand, have respect, right, for the field. And it, it would be like someone, like I said, wanting to come into the OR with you and be like, okay, what scalpel do I use now? Like, it's yeah. just like, that, that ain't it. It's just like not how it works. And, and the benefit of, of approaching any field with that level of curiosity and respect and deference is that you learn more and you learn, hey, it's not about me. It's not about my opinion on these things or what I want to do. It's about showing up to serve a greater purpose. And everybody's greater purpose is going to look different for you in medicine. It looks different for me than in journalism. And it looks different for me in journalism on a local level than it would for a network um, you know, anchor or reporter. It's all going to be different. But showing up with an earnestness, with a deference, with a desire to learn, and just keeping that bigger goal in mind will keep you moving. I, I just cannot overstate how much... Respect and curiosity will take people in life. Respect and curiosity. That's it. Just I listen. love that. Oh yeah. my God. I love that. That's the, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I definitely resonate with everything you said. And I think that's, you know, truly words of wisdom for the younger generation because, you know, I think I read a, an article, Sony, on Yahoo. It was, I think, a month ago or so. And they were, they had done a survey, right? And they had asked, like, Gen Zers, you know, what is it that you feel like you're lacking in, like your skill set, you know? And most of them were like, it's not the, it's, I have no problem doing the skills. Mm -hmm. It's the etiquette, you know what I mean? Of being at a, in a job, like of like being in the profession, like, like, you know, what you were like, just the respect aspect, you know, uh, figuring out, you know, if there's a person who's my mentor or like a superior to me, that kind of stuff, they were mm -hmm. having problems navigating that. So that's why I asked like, you know, any kind of advice I can get because, I think the generation, it's a wonderful generation of people, but I think they're, I don't know, no one's schooling them like they schooled us. I feel like they came down on us really hard, our mentors. So. We're like the last <laughs> of the old school kids out there, right? Just our, yeah, our whole yeah. morale was just beaten down, but we ended up really good for it. So <laughs> We were told we suck about 10 times a day. That's how we learned. You know? <laughs> you know what? But like I said before, what better way to build up confidence than to go yeah. through the lowest of the lows? So there you go. No, a hundred percent. And and I, I absolutely love everything that you're doing, Sonny. And I really, really love your show. And uh, for everyone listening, if you guys have not already, you have to check out the podcast. It's called We Gotta Talk. And it's a really, really great show. I mean, Sonny, you talk about such great topics on there and, you know, just, it's just a, it's, it's a fun listen. So please check it out. Leave us your comments. Um, Anything you guys want to chime in about? How are you feeling right now in the current landscape? You know, any, uh, you know, thoughts you have on the journalistic side of things or how things are delivered. Um, I'd love to hear from all of you, but thank you so much. And Sony, thank you so much for the honor of hosting you. It's been such a pleasure to kind of pick your brain about journalism and, and really understand from your perspective. So thank you. Likewise for me, Dr. Ekta. Thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you.